there's, I guess, common wisdom in business that like any business should have three months of operating expenses in the bank. The reality is so few businesses have that, right? And even fewer restaurant businesses do. You know, I think we tried to emphasize like most restaurants are a small disaster away from closing at any given time. And now we have a big disaster that's affecting every single restaurant. This is Copper and Heat, the podcast exploring the unspoken rules and traditions of restaurant kitchens. I'm Katie Osuna. If you're just joining us, hit the pause button. This is the second part of a two-part story, so it'll make a whole lot more sense if you go back and listen to part one. We left off at the end of the previous episode at the May May Restaurant Open Book Open House in Boston, where chef Irene Lee opened her books to the public to start a conversation around restaurant finances and the challenges associated with razor-thin profit margins. And the very unfortunate reality, as many of you in here know, is that the odds are really stacked against us. Over the course of a year, most restaurants will use about 90% of the money they make to cover their costs. We were taught to think of 10% as a healthy profit margin for a restaurant business. This is a thing that a lot of restaurateurs say, razor-thin profit margins. But I don't think people really know what that means. Though the benchmark for a healthy restaurant is 10% profit, the average independent restaurant is sitting somewhere between 4 to 6%. And when Maymay shared their net profit number, a whopping 2% in 2019, it was a bit shocking for people. And then that teeny bit of profit is what we're supposed to use to pay debt, fix broken stuff, buy new stuff because we couldn't fix the broken stuff, and so on and so forth. So it does not all end up in my pocket. There's a common misconception that a business's profit is all money in the pockets of the owners. In bigger, publicly traded companies with huge profit margins and a lot of revenue, a big chunk of profit might be going to owners, investors, or shareholders. But in small, independent businesses, especially restaurants, that's not really where it's going. At Maymay, most of our profit gets used to pay back our debt. And most restaurants open with plenty of debt. So you can usually assume that that's, that's where it's going. This is something that Joe and the Rethink team have actually had to train restaurant employees on. Remember Joe from the last episode? Joe Grafson. I'm the co-founder and managing partner for Rethink Restaurants. Rethink Restaurants is the management consulting company that helps train Maymay and others on how to implement open book management. The open book program is where the entire team, from dishwasher to line cooks to managers, are involved in the financial and business decisions of the restaurant. Again, go back to episode one of this story to hear more about what that looks like at Maymay. Employees in more traditionally managed restaurants don't necessarily know what happens to profit. So Joe likes to do an activity he calls the poker chip activity. He takes a big stack of 100 poker chips and splits it up into the different expense categories. A stack of 25 for the cost of goods sold, or COGS, maybe 40 for the labor, 30 for the overhead. So you got this big stack here and this teeny little stack here. This big stack of 95 chips for expenses and a teeny little stack of five for the profit. The average for an independent restaurant. 
And then I take the chips and I go, so this all goes to the owner, right? And then, you know, whatever the answer is, be like, you haven't paid taxes yet. And I throw the chip across the room. So there goes two chips, right? Oh, by the way, your refrigeration broke, throw another chip across the room, right? Um, oh, by the way, you know how much it costs to open this restaurant? $2 million. There goes the debt, right? So throw another one out. And then I held one chip up. <laughs> you know? And if everything else goes right, maybe this goes to the owner. Right. But that's the idea is like, like, you know, when we talk about, you know, um, five, 10%, like, you know, this is not a tremendous amount of cash. We are always spending what we're making to cover what we need to over the course of the year. So I think it's important to just sort of say, like, it's not like in a, in a vault somewhere, it's gone. We spent it. You know, you have to pay back debt every month and you have to buy new equipment when your equipment breaks. So that's what the profit sort of utilization looks like for us. After three years of open book management at Maymay, Chef Irene decided that she wanted to take it a step further and open up the conversation about finances to a wider audience. The open book event had over 100 attendees, but earlier that day, Eater published an article that broke down the numbers so that hundreds of thousands of people could learn more. And wow. A whole lot of people had a lot of things to say about Maymay's finances and their 2% profit. There was this woman on Facebook who was saying like, oh, like, this is bad. 2% profit is bad. And I was like, girl, I know. You don't have to tell me. She was like, I do the books for restaurants like here in Boston, and some of them are paying more and using better ingredients and are at 18%. And I was like, cool. Do they want to help anyone other than themselves? Because they could show us their books. Like, that'd be great. But if not, you know, then okay, we're just going to have to keep chugging along in our own lane over here. So accounting is definitely an art, in my opinion. And so you can make a business look very profitable or very unprofitable, depending on what your motivations are. And certainly, we have all kinds of motivations for that, right? Like if you're asking a bank for a loan, you want to say, oh, look at all this profit. And if you're maybe not wanting to pay all your taxes to the government. You're saying, oh, we were so unprofitable. It's terrible. But I think that there are all kinds of different ways to count money. And it's it's easy to think that, you know, oh, numbers are numbers, but they're very manipulable. So what profit means to one business might be very different than what it means to another business. So I don't know. I don't expect any bigger companies to be opening their books based on our shining example. But I think that, you know, if the only people who are willing to share are people who are posting 2% NOP, then maybe that will, again, prompt diners to take a second look at how they're spending their money. So we're going to ask ourselves, is Nene a healthy, independent restaurant? We'll compare what we are doing to modern restaurant benchmarks. And I don't know if you guys can see this, my eyesight's not that good, but there actually is a tiny green slice of profit pie. And so we ask this question, right? This is the question at the end of the year when we're planning for the next year and thinking about patting ourselves on the back for what we've survived in the year prior. This is the question we want to know the answer to. And I would say the answer, frankly, is no, we are not. Not in financial terms, but like I said, we are not here to prove to you that we are a healthy business. We are here to share. This is something that folks on Facebook didn't quite seem to understand. It was never about bragging about Maymay and their finances, because their finances aren't great. 
It's about starting a conversation that people really don't like having. And when it comes to talking to other restaurant owners about money, about like ethics or compensation, I don't know, there's like a wall there. And there's so many restaurant owners who I really trust and I feel like I'm really close with. And for whatever reason, the conversation rarely ever veers into how are we paying people? Or like, what are you paying yourself? And so it takes us a really long time to get there. And then, you know, by then it's like, we should have been sharing this information a long time ago. So I think that I would just love to see more sharing. And, you know, the open book event is kind of just me saying like, hey, I'll go first. Let's just start putting some data out there for all of us to kind of chew on and think about. Besides getting really down on Maymay about the profit margin and how messed up the financials were, there was another question that a lot of folks on Facebook really needed to know the answer to. Peter published um, a pretty detailed report on our finances today. And man, everybody on Facebook wanted to know what um, the owner of that restaurant, what he makes. (laughs) There were several people who were really stuck on what the owner of that restaurant made. Besides misgendering the owner, assuming that they were a man, they were really fixated on what the take-home pay was for the owner. So during the Q&A portion of the Open Book Open House, Irene felt it was important to share. Right now, I make $42,000 a year, and uh, I have made a little bit more in other years, and I have made a lot less in other years, right? Because your employees come first, and then your vendors, and then you. Next up, is it awkward to share your salary as the owner with your employees? I don't know. Was it awkward? <laughs> I think that if I were making double or triple what I make, it would be awkward. Um, But I definitely believe in a limit to the CEO to frontline worker salary ratio, right? Like, I'm never going to be, I don't know, 10 or 50 times more valuable than someone who I employ. I just, like, don't really believe that that's how humanity works. Um, So I think that... You know, I haven't shared my salary previously, so we did that for the first time um, just now. Um, But I think hopefully it's not awkward, right guys? It wasn't too bad. Um, But yeah, I think obviously um, it is a very humble number. It is less awkward to share. So sitting in her living room the next day, I asked her about sharing her salary and what she thinks it meant. I didn't realize until yesterday that people were really going to want to know how much I pay myself, but it became very clear online and then also in the event that 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 was like a huge missing piece of the puzzle. And I totally get that. Like, oh, we shared all these numbers, but there's this big piece missing. How much are you paying yourself? And so, yeah, it was important to me to answer that question. What I would say, and I sort of alluded to this, I can afford to make that little money. And in a sense, Maymay can afford to be only at 2% net operating profit. Like that is something that I can never take for granted. I can't imagine how difficult and scary it must be to take the leap of opening a restaurant without the resources that I am very fortunate to have. So it's up to all of us to raise the standard and it's up to all of us to, to help each other figure out how to do that. A lot of what I think Maymay is, 
we're just trying to show that there is a model for it and say, you know, even if you don't have a huge cash reserve or even if you don't have, I don't know, VC funding, you can still implement these small techniques to try to improve things. I feel like it's kind of my responsibility. Like if we are able to play around with all of this, you know, feel good, mumbo jumbo, progressive, whatever, if we can afford to do it, we should. That's kind of our job. And if we are able to share that with other people, then that is really making good on the opportunity that we have. Transparency is an essential part of the open book management program. The conversations that Irene was able to start and have with the public by talking about things like her salary are just taking it a step further. But more importantly, that same transparency helps with some of the really tough conversations that every restaurant owner has had to have with their staff. About a week ago, we looked at the books for period one and period two of 2020. And um, yeah, they were not awesome. I think that there are a couple different things that go through my mind. The first is like, oh shit, we gotta like step our game up. And hopefully that's going through everyone else's mind too. Meme is such a great like workplace environment that it is easy to forget that one bad month could be a death sentence for us. And so it is good to show the numbers and say like, hey, remember that project you're working on? Like, let's make sure you hit your deadlines. It is a little disheartening. We're in year six and not everything has gotten better. And some of it has maybe gotten a little worse. At the very least though, like thank goodness we're keeping track, right? Like three years ago, we wouldn't even have known necessarily in such real time that we needed to pick up the pace. In a way, Open Book provides this kind of insurance that even if the outcome isn't good, at least everyone will understand it and feel maybe even that they are partially responsible for it. And so, I don't know. I think that it's been an incredible way for us to just be really honest with the team, honest about what we can do for them, about what they can do for us. Obviously with the public health scare right now, like we don't know where things are going. A week after we recorded this interview, Mei Mei, along with every restaurant in the country, had shut its doors in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be right back. We are so grateful to Paired for sponsoring this season of Copper and Heat. It's thanks to them we've been able to bring you the stories that we have over the last several months. And like us, they've been working really hard to figure out the best way to support the restaurant industry through the coronavirus crisis. What they've noticed now more than ever is the need for us in the industry to stay connected. So on May 1st, they launched a new community platform for you all to connect. Anyone in the food service industry nationwide can sign up to be a paired member and search for nearby jobs, browse relevant content, and most importantly, keep up with others in food service in a community you won't find anywhere else online. We invite you to become a paired member and participate in the community. Let's get through this together. The Open Book Open House was on March 9th, and I interviewed Irene in her living room on March 10th. 
Within a week, several cities and states had issued stay-at-home orders and restaurant dining rooms were closed. By the end of March, most of the country had shut down. So the hypothetical that Irene was talking about soon became pretty apparent, and things had to shift really quickly. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm pretty good. You know, hanging in there. (laughs) On April 9th, exactly a month after the Open Book Open House, Irene and I chatted again to catch up. Meme straight up closed at first to figure out what they wanted to focus their energy on. So we have been moving most of our staff to work from home to do remote work. They were able to get their staff on the Massachusetts WorkShare program so they could continue at Meme with limited hours and keep Meme benefits while still getting unemployment. We sort of feel like a tech startup right now. Um, we're doing like, you know, different administrative sprints and everybody's working on special projects. Plus, we set some people up to do like serve safe certifications and other like continuing ed from home. They've been doing bulk takeout, virtual dumpling classes, providing meals to a local hospital so that they continue to bring in a little bit of money, which has been great. As much as I think we want to push revenue and push sales and um, you know keep everything running as much as we can, um, we also are in the privileged position of being able to just say to the staff, like, you know what, you should stay at home. <laughs> like That's the safest thing for everybody and we'll take care of you until, you know, we can bring you back into work. As we talked about in the last episode, changing the state of food industry jobs is one of Irene's big things. It's why their labor number is so high. It's one of the reasons she's in the restaurant industry in the first place. One of the reasons I'm so positive today, I think, is because our team just today started getting their $600 unemployment benefits through the CARES Act. So when I got that message, I was like, so relieved. (laughs) Um, I don't have to do that sort of like very uncomfortable calculation of like, how bad do you need the money? And are you prepared to potentially like sacrifice your health because you need the money? And obviously this is happening for workers in different industries all over the country right now, that like the people with the most to lose are being asked to risk the most. And like, it's so fucked up. But you know, today I felt like for the first time, oh, like, I don't have to actually ask that question. Like we can provide the same level of like safety to everyone today, which is um, a really good feeling. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so glad that like it's making me yeah. more motivated. And I mean, d- don't worry. I don't feel that way 24-7. <laughs> I've had a lot of really great uh, like afternoons of playing Animal Crossing on my couch where I'm like, I just can't. Irene and her team have continued to have conversations. They started with the open book, open house. And in a way, it's like, oh, this is more relevant than ever, (laughs) because now we all know how deep the shit restaurants are in. So they've continued to do informal Q&As and polls via Instagram. And they've been getting a lot of interesting feedback and questions. One of the things that has sort of come up, if there's a disaster, how long does your business have? And I think that 
a couple of different people said there's, I guess, common wisdom in business that like any business should have three months of operating expenses in the bank. And like the reality is so few businesses have that, right? And even fewer restaurant businesses do. You know, I think we tried to emphasize like most restaurants are a small disaster away from closing at any given time. And now we have a big disaster that's affecting every single restaurant. If we continue to have the unemployment benefit arrangement that we have, I would say we could we could continue to exist, you know, as an entity for probably at least, I don't know, four to six months. Despite what we showed everyone at Open Book Open House, we do have certain safety nets in place that have made me feel really confident that May May is going to reopen on the other side of this. We have a couple of different lines of credit with our, our local bank. And that has been, you know, a function of the seasonality of our business, for example. Often we're dipping into the line of credit, you know, during the winter, like when we're really slow or when catering season like slows way down in the sense that it's kind of like a rainy day I mean, it's not a fund, but it's resources that, you know, you don't have to use and they don't sit in your bank account. But if we need them, it's there. And so we definitely have dipped into that. And I think we'll probably continue to make use of it. I don't know that that is necessarily always going to be like the smart decision. Like, I think a lot of people are looking at the mounting debt and the options that like the Small Business Administration is putting out there and saying like, this is a loan, but it's not a smart one. And at this point, I'm willing to take on a stupid debt arrangement in order to reopen. I think I'm stubborn in that way. And the, the existing entity actually doesn't have that much debt at this point. Like we're, we're six and a half years in. And so a lot of our debt we have actually paid back. So, you know, in a sense, if we borrow another couple hundred thousand dollars, it might feel like going back to square one. But to me, that's better than shutting the whole thing down. The current crisis has amplified the financial problems so many restaurants have faced forever. The price of eating out has been going up for years, yet the wages of workers hasn't been going up at nearly the rate it should. The costs associated with doing business are so many and so complicated, yet the margins are still really low. So our, our best-selling item on the menu at Meme is a scallion pancake sandwich with two eggs on it. At the time when we started Open Book, we had a cook who was relatively new and, you know, they were very preoccupied with like questions about affordability. And those are great questions. I think at Maymay, like for the quality of ingredient that we work with, we feel like we're doing a pretty good job in terms of affordability and accessibility. But I had heard this staff member say like, you know, we charge $8 for that. It's just an egg sandwich. And it's like, yeah, I totally get that. Like you can get an egg sandwich from anywhere pretty much for less. That is true. I can't deny that, right? But can we think about why we charge that much for it? And I think that in breaking down all our other expenses and talking about like, hey, what is profit and where does it actually go? I feel like this individual staff member became like a huge champion of the open book project more broadly, and really became someone on the team who was who was really talking about like, 
making sure we're communicating our values to our consumers. If the typical employee at a restaurant doesn't understand why the prices are set where they are, how do we expect the public to understand what really goes into making their food? A silver lining to all this is that maybe, now that people are very publicly seeing the struggles of restaurant owners and workers, maybe they will understand why food costs what it does. A lot of my friends and colleagues who aren't in the restaurant industry, who did either attend the open book event or or see some of the content from it, you know, seeing what's happened in restaurants since then, they have said like, oh, like I now have all this context for what's going on and like why restaurants are in so much trouble. And I'm also hopeful that open book and other forms of transparency will become even more fashionable. It's been incredible for us to be able to communicate with our staff about the business finance at a pretty high level during this time. The fact that they understand the impact of, for example, being closed for a week or having a big catering event cancel on us. Like we can be very specific about what's actually happening. And I think that helps with their level of comfort or sense of stability that like even though everything is crazy there are certain things that they understand about the business that's that's giving them context and helping them I don't know just feel informed at a time when information like feels very (laughs) hard to come by. One thing I'm really confident about is that people will be more intentional about how they spend their money. I think people will remember who revealed themselves as like a pillar of the community and who maybe revealed themselves as otherwise. Customers are paying attention to what businesses are doing. The fact that Ruth's Chris and Shake Shack, both publicly traded companies, got funds from the payroll protection program and then were pressured by the public to give them back, it says a lot. Right when this sort of started happening and businesses started needing to to close temporarily, I did write an email to the, the CEO of Toast. Toast is a restaurant point of sales and management system, and Maymay is one of their customers. And he, he actually wrote directly back to me, very sweet. One of the things I said was like, your customers are going to close and, and people who work in this industry are going to die. And that is just statistically like where we are. And what you do now will probably for a very long time, if not forever, shape how we think about who Toast is. And I think that's true with individual businesses and even with individual people. These are serious times and and how we handle it is going to say a lot about who we are and and who we want to be when this is over. What has kind of been your takeaway from all of this? Another big one. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think the takeaway is that, you know, our industry is exactly as broken as I thought it was. (laughs) And now we all know we are seeing the cracks in the foundation that like many people have not been aware of, but many people have been aware of and have been calling attention to for a long time. Who's getting sick and why? And can they afford to take time off or to stay home? So I think one of my big takeaways is like, yeah, like this is super fucked. And like people who are vulnerable are, are unfortunately only becoming more vulnerable. If anything, I would say that has given me, it's made me feel more motivated 
around like the change that we want to make. We have gotten so much support um, from people who love our business, who love our employees. And I really can't express enough like how grateful I am for how loving everyone has been and how much support there's been. So I think that my heart is breaking and overflowing all the time because there's just like so much humanity that's coming out of this. And I don't know. I mean, at the risk of rambling, I think that there's such big ups and there's such big downs. And I'm hopeful that that when we do come out of this, we will be stronger and more united than before. And, and that to me is like the silver lining of this. Thank you so much for listening to the second season of Copper and Heat. We hope y'all are staying safe and healthy right now. A huge thank you to all the restaurant folks who shared their stories with us this season. This is a super challenging time for all of them right now, so we put some links in the show notes. Help them out if you can. We've also put together a resource page on our website. We're updating it every few days with resources we find that help us all navigate these wild times. Head to copperandheat.com slash coronavirus. We're going to be taking a break for a few months, get to work on season three. Of course, we always love to hear from you. Share your story or let us know what you're interested in hearing for next season. If you like the stories you've heard this season, be sure to subscribe to our feed on your favorite podcast app. We're starting to work on season three and we'll be releasing little stories and updates between now and then. Also, reviews are a huge help for us. To keep up with what we're doing over the next few months, check out our Twitter and Instagram at Copper and Heat. Overhead, the second season of Copper and Heat was produced by me, Katie Osuna, and Ricardo Osuna. Our story editor is Rachel Palmer. All the music you hear is produced by us under the name Gamma Gardens. Check out other tracks on Instagram and SoundCloud. Thank you all again so much for listening. Stay safe 